Britain's retailers have taken a battering recently. Brexit's going to create this perfect storm for business. They're not making the investment decisions. Is British shopping in crisis? Poundworld, Carphone Warehouse, New Look, Mothercare, Maplin, House of Fraser, Toys R Us, M&S, those are just a few of the companies to either cut jobs or pack up altogether this year. Nearly 22,000 jobs have been put at risk, and the UK now has an estimated 1,800 fewer high street shops than it did a year ago. These are tough times, and there are going to be more victims. So what's going on? Are we all just moving online and shopping from our sofas, or is this a sign that our economy might be in deeper trouble? Does Brexit have anything to do with it? Will Greg's be okay? All those questions and more on the Weekly Economics podcast today. I'm Aisha Thomas-Smith. Stay with us. So, joining me to talk about whether the Great British High Street might be on shaky ground, I'm joined by special guest Chrissy Nicholson, who is founding organiser of the East End Trades Guild. Hi, Chrissy. Hello. Could you quickly tell us what the East End Trades Guild is? The East End Trades Guild is a new form of model for the self-employed, for small businesses and social enterprises. Ah, we will dive into that more later. Thank you. Uh, also back on the pod is an old favourite, William Brett, Communications Director here at the New Economics Foundation. Will, what is your favourite high street shop? Favourite high street shop is probably, I'm a very lazy shopper, so I go to Uniqlo once a year. And without, <laughs> without turning this into sort of advertorial for Uniqlo, um, it's, you know, pretty convenient. Ah, I love Uniqlo, and I should have guessed that for you. Mm. Earlier on, the producer and I were trying to guess what it would be. <laughs> and <laughs> what, was, what, what was the guess? John Lewis. Oh, thanks very much. No, see, this is, this like, is <laughs> dad jokes again, isn't it? <laughs> it serves a lot of purposes. You're an efficient man. Thanks. Anyway, okay. <laughs> so before we get stuck into our big question, it's time for our usual headline segment. So this is where we bring you a vaguely economic story that you might have missed, lovely listener. So, Will, we'll start with you. What's your story of the week? Uh, well, it's a very serious economic story. It's the fact that football is possibly coming home. And oh I, don't know, I don't know whether this podcast is going to go out before or after the, uh, when we find out whether it is going to come home or not, whether it's still after. going to be on, the, on its way home. I think it'll be after. So uh, by, by, the, by the time this comes out, this may be an incredibly painful little segment. <laughs> but um, I, I just can't get beyond the fact that this is a pretty exciting week. You know, England won on penalties. That's it. Okay, good. I'm sure all the listeners missed that. So great. Um, Chrissy. Uh, well, there's an interesting headline in the Times newspaper which says immigrants set the pace on startups. So this is a piece uh, by James Hurley who says that entrepreneurs are twice as likely to come from ethnic minorities or migrant communities. And um, it features Sherlene Walrond who is an entrepreneur, and she says that everything that she is doing is fueled by her Windrush grandparents. Interesting. Okay. Shout out my Windrush grandparents, also fueling me. <laughs> okay, wonderful. So thanks, Will and Chrissy. Uh, now it's time for our big question. Is it the end of the road for the high street? We would argue very strongly that the tax regime as it's currently structured, it's an analog tax for a digital age. End this high street robbery. That was the headline of the Daily Mail last week, as it campaigned against what it said was an unfair difference in business rates for high street shops competing against Amazon. Is online shopping the main course of a recent spate of closures, or is the high street the canary in the coal mine when it comes to wider problems in our economy? And when these shops close, what will replace them? 
So, first up, I mentioned at the top of the programme that the BBC has estimated as many as 22,000 jobs could be at risk just from the closures and cutbacks announced so far in 2018. So, Will, how big is this problem? I think it's pretty big. And that number, 22,000, I've seen other estimates recently of as much as 50,000 jobs gone um, this year as a result of uh, shops closing on the high street. Um, and it's just the names coming one after the other, you know, mm. all of these really well-known names coming one after the other, closing shops all over the country. But I think that the um, size of the problem this year belies the fact this has been going on for a really long time. So, mm. you know, you look back, you might remember Mary Portis, the famous retail expert, having a go at trying to sort of revive the high street back in 2011. And if you look even further back, um, New Economics Foundation did some work some time ago, 2004, on the idea of clone towns. So many high streets were becoming homogenous, you know, just yeah, dominated yeah. by chain stores. Um, and now we're, see now we're seeing all those chain stores closing. So the worry back then was all of the small independent businesses have been driven out by chain stores. The worry now is that all those chain stores, they can't survive on the high street as well. And you've got to start wondering, you know, what is the what is the model for the high street that works? And, and how destructive is it to, to keep trying to extract as much possible yield and value from the high street if, if all that's going to happen is that you're going to be left with some pretty empty and destitute places as a result? Mm. Quick one for you, Chrissy, on that. Are, are chain stores not what people want when they're kind of, you know, for their high street, do they not want to kind of have shops that they know? Or I'm, I'm not sure. I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Uh, my feeling is that it's more about land and property than it is about uh, what people what people want. I mean, the cost of doing business is very much related to land. So business rates are set is set on the rentable value of an area, mm -hmm. and that is obviously down to um, the value of the land. I think it's more complex than that. So let's let's dig into that a little bit more then. So a lot of attention seems to have been given to these big chain stores closing, as we've discussed. But is there a crisis then in in high street businesses too, kind of small independent ones, or is it just a case of your Jamie's Italian expanding too far too fast? Is it all about rates or is there more going on? Well, I think there's more going on because the chains got into the high street because they could pay more, essentially. They, mm. had, they had more money power. But now we're seeing that actually there's only so much they can pay. They've kind of reached that limit. Mm -hmm. And now they're closing because they can't afford the rent. They've been asking for discounts on their rent and their rates mm. because they can't afford it. So even the people with, with kind of the most money can't afford that anymore. I mean, so a lot of the businesses that Chrissy works with kind of demonstrate that there is a demand there for a different type of business. You know, a lot of small businesses, independent businesses that um, have an incredibly loyal uh, clientele, have, you know, solid business models, but are just struggling to find space in the high street uh, or in, in towns and cities in general to do their work. You know, they, you know these are the entrepreneurs, the dynamic small businesses that so many politicians talk about supporting and yet here they are in a situation where they seem to be struggling to find a footing mm. yeah i mean it's really about what we value isn't it because everybody's struggling kind of the big brand names alongside the small businesses but the small businesses provide uh, community wealth opportunities whereas the big businesses are extractive and they take they take money out you know for private gain so um, it's not going back into the it's community. not going back mm. into the community it's not going back into the economy and also there's a lot of cultural value that our members bring to the east end you know some of them have been trading for generations yeah um and that that makes the east end distinctive and appealing 
Um, so there's a lot of value. It's really about, you know, what are we, what's important to us about mm. where we live and how we live. Mm. I think that's right. And I think that the, um, that question about what a high street can be for is the question that needs to be asked by policymakers now. Mm. And, it, and it, this is a sort of question which has been asked in the past and different places have come up with different answers. You know, a lot of towns have just tried to find that you know, big kind of angel investment in a massive shopping mall that might sustain a a broken retail model. And then sometimes, you know, the papers this week, there's been some stories about Stockton trying something different. So trying to build a town centre that offers more experiences, has more kind of community involvement and so on, and isn't just about shopping, which is, you know, know, there's there's nothing to say that high streets have to be just about shopping. That's, you know, if, 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 Mm. if, behaviors are moving more online in that world which clearly they are then you know, what is a high street for and so it's up to councils local regional authorities to start thinking about that seriously and thinking about how to support local places to be able to develop new types of high street so we of course because it's a weak economics podcast have to dwell on brexit for a second <laughs> um so will i was wondering if you did think that brexit was a, a cause of some of this and any other kind of wider causes that you would point to yeah i think you cannot look at brexit and be blind to the fact that it is doing something to sort of general demand in our economy i don't think anyone really denies that anymore but i think it's actually to be honest it's longer term than that you know if you look at you know, GDP growing at a fairly steady rate for some time. But at the same time, wages have stagnated. Yeah. And what that essentially points to is a lack of demand in the economy. And, and you know, that just essentially means that people don't have, people aren't spending any money. Mm. Um, and, you know, inevitably, retailers are going to be put under pressure by that. But I think that it'll, it's also, it's easy just to sort of feel gloomy about things if you just think that, some of this stuff is inevitable, and uh, you know, and then you then you look at these high streets and you see sort of desolate, you know, places full of boarded up shops. Mm. And I think it's really important to keep in mind that you know where there are cheaper rents, then you see these incredible pockets of dynamism and activity. You mm. know, we have been working with um, tenants of arches, railway arches, all over the country, and railway arches are incredible spaces because they're kind of dank they're not very well looked after and they're therefore normally or used to be quite cheap Mm. Um, and that has enabled the sort of the natural kind of dynamism and creativity and entrepreneurialism of people to fill that space with what they really want to do which is to create small businesses or to sustain long-term businesses garages and um, mechanics and um, uh, motorbike repair shops that kind of thing alongside bakers or tech startups mm. or you know all, all the sort of the panoply of kind of human life and entrepreneurialism and it's and it's given space in the railway arches mm. and it's only when those spaces are seen as places which need to be maximized in terms of rental yield mm-hmm. that that dynamism starts to just disappear and it's a, it's an incredibly sad story. You know, the, re- the railway arches are all going to be sold to a private investor this year. And we're working to stop that from happening because we believe that that is putting in a huge amount of creativity on our high streets and in our towns and cities at risk. And we need to do something about that. Okay. Interesting. So um, I want to move us on a little bit. Um, so lots of us will have walked down High Street since the recession and seen the impact of the closures for ourselves, as, as we've discussed. Um, one thing that's really noticeable is the number of High Street lenders that have opened up. So cash for gold shops and betting shops and things like that. Um, I know there's obviously been quite a lot of campaigns around this. Ed Miliband did a project on it, some other people. Um, so I guess a question for, from me is what's been the impact on our towns and, and cities of, of these changes, like these companies opening up? 
I think they have a, a pretty stark effect on a high street. Um, it's a very sort of, you know, these are kind of canaries in the uh, canaries in the coal mine, mm-hmm. um, you know, payday lenders and um, betting shops and so on. And, you know, they, they have a, a clientele which isn't in trouble and then they have a clientele which clearly is. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, these tend to be signs of a struggling economy. You know, you see it in the Rust Belt in the US and you see it in, mm-hmm. um, you know, struggling places uh, all over the country. But I also think there's something else going on here which is about the nature of kind of modern retail or the modern consumer experience and how that links to um, bigger problems driven by our economy. You know, we are a lonely society. We are a polarized society. We are people who tend to sort of have private, solitary experiences. Mm -hmm. And that has been driven to some extent by the nature of the economy and the nature of you know, consumer experience. Definitely. And also the the over-dependence on the financial sectors and the service sectors. And it's a kind of financialization mm-hmm. that is that is kind of eroding community and eroding community wealth. Mm. Yeah. And if you and if you talk to, you know, local authority leaders or local enterprise partnerships, all the sort of people who might have a stake or an interest in creating flourishing high streets, it's not that they want you know, high streets full of betting shops and um, payday lenders and so on. It's that, you know, they, these these businesses are the only ones who can pay the rates and the local authorities don't have the tools to do anything about it. Mm. And so I mean, this is this is where you start getting into questions for national government. Like, how do you empower Definitely. local places to be able to prevent their high streets from deteriorating to this extent? Yeah, I think absolutely, because what we're experiencing with local government is that they're saying they don't have any money and, Mm. you know, they're desperately reliant on their assets to pay for their services. Mm. Um, So, yeah, we really need uh, central government to take action. Um, Okay, so the last question is, I mentioned earlier the Daily Mail's campaign around what they call high street robbery. We've touched on business rates uh, a bit already and regulation, but this is a question that marries both. So uh, traditional shops are obviously competing on quite an uneven playing field with behemoths like Amazon. And so is there a problem with business rates and rents that the government could or should be intervening to fix? Definitely, 100%. It's only them that can really do this. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, they have tried to kind of wash their hands of it by kind of devolving business rates, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but that really just kind of passes the problem on to somebody else who can't really do very much about it. Um, There are quite bold ideas out there, such as a land value tax, Mm -hmm. which would eradicate the need for uh, business rates and council tax altogether. Uh, I think, you know, there needs to be, you know, we've been talking about business rates for so long and Mm. there's really only been sticking plaster solutions really coming from government. We need something much more bold. Mm. Yeah, I think I think is that that's absolutely right. I mean, the the online thing is clearly a problem. Um, You know, people shopping online is not a problem. But the fact that big online retailers uh, pay so little in business rates compared to the high street retailers just shows that we're not really sort of getting the our, our money's worth from the amount of business that online retailers do. And then you have all the stories of these same retailers avoiding tax because they're able to yeah. set up their businesses in places which which are tax efficient. And you start to see there's a problem. And then and then the next bit is is Chrissy's point, which is the national government saying business rates uh, a local government issue is just a real cop-out because local government has no money they've been cut mm-hmm. to the bone they rely now on business rates they can't do anything about it and yeah. um, they have to be given a new way of sustaining themselves financially whether that is new ways of raising money through income tax or land as chrissy suggested mm. okay 
Wonderful. So we like to end the podcast with a little bit of hope and optimism generally. Um, so what I would like you both to do for me, if possible, is a kind of like 30 second your vision for what the high street could be if we manage to kind of do all these things that you've been that you've been mentioning. Uh, 10 years, your ideal high street, 30 seconds, go. Take me there. I want to be walking down. I want to smell the smells. I want to hear the sounds. It's, it's got to be it's got to be a stretch of railway arches for me i'm afraid <laughs> okay. and um and we're raising funds for this campaign uh, quick plug mm-hmm. so do visit the new economics foundation website if you want to donate awesome thanks will quick plug uh chrissy <laughs> Well, uh, instead of walking down the high street and seeing a next, what would be really wonderful is seeing a make space for people from all backgrounds to come together and learn skills together about how to uh, make things that perhaps they can furnish their own households with or support their local school or community centre with. Uh, Perhaps we could have more markets within high streets so there's more opportunity for people to have a go at entrepreneurialism without having to fork out too much cash. You know, it is a very rapidly growing constituency and perhaps there is more opportunities we can enable people with to, to have a go at that. Wonderful. So thank you both so much, um, Christy Nicholson and William Brett, um, for joining me on the Weekly Economics podcast this week to talk about high streets. So if people want to hear more from both of you, where can they go? What should they do? Where should they click? Uh, so we have a website, which is eastendtradesguild.org.uk. We're also at East End Trades on Twitter. And uh, yeah, uh, get in touch with me at Chrissy at eastendtradesguild.org.uk. Lovely. Well, neweconomics.org is our website. If you sign up, we'll send the occasional email. Not too many, I promise. (laughs) Lovely. A nice guarantee. Okay, so that's it for this week. If you have enjoyed this episode, please tell someone about it, as usual. A big thank you to the economics department at Greenhead College in Huddersfield for tweeting about last week's episode. And hello to all the economics teachers who followed us on Twitter. Isn't that lovely? (laughs) Okay. Uh, And as always, you can drop us a line with your comments and questions. We're at Weekly Econ Pod on Twitter. The Weekly Economics Podcast is produced by James Shield and brought to you by the New Economics Foundation. See you next week. Bye. Bye. (laughs)